What's up, Jets fans? Welcome back to another edition of Jet Nation Radio. This is your host, Dylan Terman. Folks, after a long seven months, we finally have football to recap. And while Jets fans thought that this was going to be an uneventful preseason game, it turned out to be the exact opposite. So let's jump right into it. The New York Jets traveled on the road to face the Philadelphia Eagles on Friday night, week one of the preseason. While they did come away with the victory, there were some some storylines that weren't positive to take out of this game, and the obvious was Zach Wilson. On his first drive, he had an overthrow of Garrett Wilson and then an interception when targeting Corey Davis. And then on the second drive, when eluding pressure scrambling right, he had a non-contact knee injury when he went went down to the ground avoiding a defender instead of running out of bounds. He got up, he limped off, fell back down. Trainers came out to look at him. He was able to walk to the locker room. Obviously, he didn't return. It's preseason. And then we find out the extent of the injury. Um, Jets fans, of course, feared an ACL. That, of course, was not the case. I think um, I speak for most Jets fans when I say we're very grateful to hear that it's just a bone bruise in the right knee and a meniscus tear. Um, it looks like he will miss about two to four weeks. He is expected to have surgery for a cleanup or uh, what they're calling a trim. So unless doctors find out anything worse when inside the knee doing the actual surgery, it's likely Zach Wilson will only miss two to four weeks. What that means in the short term is that Joe Flacco is now the Jets quarterback one. You have to presume. I don't think what we saw from Mike White Friday night was enough to say, okay, we should let Mike White be the, the quarterback one in the interim. I think Joe Flacco will win the job. Robert Sala has done nothing but spoken highly of Joe Flacco, said he's had a great camp. So obviously we're going to put that praise to the test. I, I think Joe Flacco is a competent option at the least. He will drop back. He will run the offense. He's not going to make overwhelming mistakes. He's probably going to play it a little boring. Um, but I think boring is probably the right answer for week one specifically against the Baltimore Ravens. They're a good team. So I think Joe Flacco dropping back, three-step drop, get it out of his hands within the timing of the offense is going to be a good thing. Not saying he's a better option than Zach Wilson by any means because obviously we know the upside of Zach Wilson and the extending plays and off-script stuff that, that makes him so special. So in the interim, I think Joe Flacco will be enough. Um we saw four weeks without Zach Wilson in 2021, and we had three different quarterbacks in that span. Those three quarterbacks were Flacco, Josh Johnson, and Mike White. Um, Joe Flacco threw for 291 against the Dolphins, which is six shy of Zach Wilson's season best last year of 297. And then Josh Johnson against the Colts threw for 317, and then Mike White obviously threw for 405 against the Bengals. So... This offense is not going to take a huge step back without Zach Wilson. Um, it's going to suck, of course. You don't get to see the development of your young, 
hopefully franchise quarterback, and he's going to have to miss more time. Samini pointed out that this is twice in the last 10 months that Zach Wilson will have to miss time due to an injury. So it's never good, but you hope that him taking that step back will allow him to take steps forward, similar to what Carl Lawson was talking about in his player interview, taking a few steps back to take multiple steps forward. And I think Zach Wilson did that last year, and I think he'll do the exact same thing again this year. So we'll have Flacco for week one, not the end of the world. Many Jets fans feared ACL, obviously, and he was going to be done for season. So this is um, grateful is the word that comes to my mind when, when thinking about the injury because watching a full season of Flacco and Mike White was not going to be something that I was looking forward to doing. Elsewhere on the offense, um, Garrett Wilson, rookie check-in. I thought he did good, displayed his route running savvy early and often. Even if he wasn't targeted on the play, he created a two or three yards of separation against Avante Maddox, who is a cornerback that not too long ago got a pretty hefty contract extension from the Eagles. So it's good to see him making plays against established veterans in the NFL and not just third and fourth string guys. Um, that play did come on the second play of the game, and it was from the slot. And I only say that because I think all summer long people had just assumed that Corey Davis and Garrett Wilson would be your outside perimeter receivers with Elijah Moore playing the slot due to his size. But as we saw on that play, Elijah Moore was the outside wide receiver and Garrett Wilson was in the slot. I'm not going to say that that's how it's going to be 100% of the time, but I think that's more of a harbinger of what we will see which is going to be Wilson in the slot operating where I think he fits best in this offense, which allows Corey Davis and Elijah Moore to play on the outside. Another wide receiver I wanted to highlight was Denzel Mims. Uh, I thought he had an up and down game. It started on an uptrend. He had two good third down pickups. I believe they were on the same drive. And then later on in the game, he had an illegal formation penalty which was followed immediately by a drop. And I think that that right there sums up what Denzel Mims has been struggling with his entire time in New York. Drops, inconsistencies, illegal formation. I mean, come on. You're, you've been in the league for three years now. You're a pro at this point. If you can't get lined up on the play, you're just you you don't need to be out there there's going to be other people that know how to get lined up in the formation and can be helpful to the offense as opposed to I'm going to cover up a tight end in my third year and I think it's just to the point where it's mistakes that shouldn't be made with Mims and yes he can he can talk to Saul all he wants about his goals and ambitions to be a starter and his want to be a starter on this team but you can't make silly mistakes in your third season and then get outplayed by a rookie who yes he was a 10th overall pick but he wasn't lining up in the wrong spots he was getting to his spot he was getting separation on defenders he wasn't making plays because the ball wasn't thrown his way but that's going to come so two completely out different outlooks on these wide receivers here um, obviously there's still more time for Mims to get things right against Atlanta and New York and maybe salvage a roster spot. 
I think he's on the outside looking in. Samini reported that he was the seventh wide receiver to touch the field. So we all thought he was maybe wide receiver five or six. That might not even be the case now. So not looking too great for Mims there. Um, elsewhere on the offense, another rookie, Max Mitchell. He got the start at right tackle. Neither of the Jets' offensive tackles, uh, Dwayne Brown or George Fant, played in the game. Obviously, Dwayne Brown being so new to the team. And George Fant, they're wanting to ease back in. I'm sure we'll see most likely both of them in some capacity against Atlanta. But for this game, the starters were Edoga at left and Max Mitchell at right tackle. Um, Mitchell did look good, however, um, in pass protection. I thought he looked more than capable, um, solid in the run game. He was climbing to the second level, getting up against the linebackers, which I wrote down in my scouting report uh, of him in the draft process. I thought he did climb to the second level well. He's not a perfect prospect, um, but the Jets gave him a ton of work. He was playing well into the third quarter. I saw him out there still taking reps. So they're, they're not afraid to throw him out there and, and let him, you know, trial by fire, so to speak. And I think he wasn't the worst offensive tackle by any stretch. Chuma Adoga was getting beat left and right. He had a couple holds that weren't called, that should have been called most likely against him and will be called in the regular season if that happens. So I think for Max Mitchell to not be the glaring weakness was more than the expectations that I had of him for this game. Another rookie, Zonovan Knight. He had some good red zone carries, a good goal line touchdown run, and then, of course, his big kick return to set up the the game-winning drive for the Jets at the end of the game with a minute 24. He returned it to the minus 42-yard line. So you love to see him making the most of his opportunities. Um, the run game as a whole wasn't outstanding by any stretch. So for Zonovan Knight to come in and be a bright spot, in a overall weak unit on the night. I think that's a good thing. Lawrence Cager, he's the wide receiver turned tight end for the Jets, who's been on and off the practice squad. He had a nice catch in the flat that he turned upfield and got a good amount of yak on. And I think that goes to show his athleticism. Moving from wide receiver to tight end, he's obviously going to have the upper hand in terms of route running and athleticism against the other tight ends in the group. But I think the Jets are going to use that to their advantage. Also, like a Kenny Yeboah type, where they're mostly going to be flexed out and pass-catching guys. But if they can show you a little bit of upside in, in the blocking and the run game as well, it's going to be the all the better for him. So I think Cager is somebody to keep an eye on as we get down to roster cuts and see which which tight ends make the team and which which don't, because I think it's going, to be, it's going to be a tough decision. I thought wide receiver was going to be a tough position, but I think it's, it's actually going to be the tight end position that comes down to it. Do you keep a Wesco over a Jeremy Ruckert? Do you keep a Cager over a Yeboah? I think, I think sneakily it's going to be a, a tight group when it comes down to it. Another, another pass catcher, oh, un, undrafted pass catcher, Erwin Charles, he had a near touchdown on a goal line fade. He caught it dropped it, caught it again, couldn't survive the ground. I thought it was hilarious that he looked at the referee like, what did I do wrong? And I don't know what the refs, you couldn't obviously tell what the ref said back, but it, 
it looked like he said something along the lines of you didn't survive the ground bud sorry like i know you're a rookie but this is the nfl and this is how we do it you got to survive the ground but still you like to to see the effort from him i think he and Rashard davis both has undrafted free agent wide receivers did well i know davis muffed the punt but all in all as undrafted guys they came in and they played well and the last guy on offense i want to highlight is jeremy ruckert he didn't play a ton mostly in the second half like late and he had a easy touchdown it was just a little flat route on a play action from strevler to take the lead in the fourth quarter but it was nice to see them getting the rookie involved and between wilson knight Brees hall jeremy ruckert each one of them saw a little bit of the game they made the most of their opportunities so it's just good to see ruckert out there and then of course you know logging onto twitter after jeremy ruckert scores a touchdown and seeing his dad doing the Jets chant. I mean, you just get fired up for the guy and you, you hope it's just a, a harbinger of what's to come because Jeremy Ruckert has all the potential in the world and his injury held him back in training camp, obviously. So he's just getting up to speed now, but I think he's going to be a good one in the tight end group. And like I just said, said with uh Kadrin, your it's just another, another depth piece in the group. And the, the Jets have five or six good tight ends that they can make work at a, almost any situation, which shows LaFleur's versatility and creativity at, at the same time. So always good to see these guys getting involved. Flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, um, first and foremost, the ones, they struggled. Hertz was six for six for 80 yards. Pass coverage was not it. I think their best rep was a man-to-man -man rep on third down, their first third down of the game. They showed a double A-gap pressure with Phillips and Quincy Williams. Phillips ended up backing off. And Johnson did a really good job of chasing Jalen Hurts out of the pocket. It didn't look like he was going to gain any positive yards. It looked like it was about to be a fourth and four, fourth and five from the 35, creating a long field goal attempt for the Eagles. And it looked like a win for the Jets' starting unit on defense. Until Quincy Williams comes in late, lowers his shoulder on Jalen Hurts about two steps into the white of the, of the boundary, and, you know, yellow flags fly. We keep the drive going. The Eagles take advantage. They turn a long field goal try, or would-be long field goal try, into seven points about three plays later. And all in all... The, off, uh, the defense, excuse me, did not look good early. Seven plays, 80 yards, three minutes and 47 seconds. I think maybe one play was a negative or zero yardage play for the Eagles offense. Um, the zone coverage stuff was just way too cushiony. Sauce and, and Bryce Hall on the outside were giving way too much coverage, or way too much uh, cushion, excuse me, to the wide receivers. So they were able to free release crossing routes. Everything underneath was open. Um, the linebackers were a little late to their spots, it seemed at times. Quan Alexander did a good job. But Quincy Williams, again, you know, the boneheaded penalty. He was late on one of the passes. So just things, obviously, that need to be cleaned up. But all in all, it looked like they were going to stop the Eagles. Turned out. The penalty extends the drive. 
Eagles get the turnover on Zach Wilson, score another easy seven points, and you're down 14 nothing to the Eagles starters in the blink of an eye. So that's stuff that all needs to be cleaned up. I'm not hitting the, the panic button per se yet, but it's stuff that's – if this stuff doesn't get cleaned up against Atlanta and New York – you really start to wonder, all right, what kind of scheme changes can the Jets implement within their system to get the most out of their players? Because if we see a glimpse of what we saw last year, this year, with all the new pieces that were added, it's going to be very bad and a very long year for not only Sala, but Jeff Ulbrich and all the veterans that they brought in, Whitehead, even Mosley being here for years. It's just, it's almost going to be a wasted season if this defense doesn't come together and show that they can play as a cohesive unit, rally to the ball, not let up, not turn a four play drag route into a 13 yard catch and run. Those are the things that they need to eliminate. So not in to- not totally encouraging from the first first team defense, but as the game went on, they got a little bit better. They were getting sacks down the line, uh, specifically Michael Clemens and Tanzel Smart. I thought Clemens came in. He had just such powerful hands against the left tackle. Um, he also played defensive tackle and went inside against the guards. I don't think he had a, as much success interior as he did on the, on, on the edge. But I think the fact that he can do both and his versatility, similar to a John Franklin Myers, is going to go a long way in this defense. We talk about it all the time with JFM. He's going to play on the edge on maybe first and second downs and then kick inside against the guards to allow a younger, faster pass rusher on the edge uh, uh, outside of him. And I think Michael Clemens will be the same thing in that second rotation of defensive linemen. He's just such a massive player, long arms. He came in on the first play, had a long arm move against the left tackle, pushed him off, and then just jumped on the running back's back to to stop the play. And from then, from then on, it was just relentless motor. The things that the coaching staff and the the you know Joe Douglas talked about when they, they drafted him, just his relentless motor, he's not going to stop chasing you down. There were times when he was chasing down the quarterback, and I was like, wow, if I'm that quarterback, I, I am scared. Like, Michael Clemens is too big of a man to be chasing you on the edge with that speed and that relentless, you know, energy. So I think he's going to be just fine. I know he was a fourth-round pick, so expectations aren't entirely high for him. But I think in what he showed just in this first preseason game, if he continues to stack those performances – and does the same against Atlanta and and the Giants. This is going to be a scary addition to this pass rush group that we might have been overlooking. So he he did well. Tanzel Smart did well on the inside with him. He had two sacks, some other good plays. And Tanzel Smart is one of those guys that just won't go away for the Jets. They keep trying to put him on the practice squad, bring him back, and they've been lucky that he hasn't been getting poached. But at the rate he's playing right now, I don't see him making it to the practice squad for the Jets if that were the route they choose to go. This defensive line is deep, as we've talked about, but Tanzel Smart is somebody who is absolutely making a case to stay on the 53, and right now I think he deserves it over 
somebody, even like a, a Solomon Thomas who they brought in and they have scheme film familiarity with. I think I didn't see enough from Thomas, not saying he's a, a bad player just off one performance, but if last night was was the test, I think Tanzel Smart passed it better than Solomon Thomas, so that's just my opinion on that. Another defender, another veteran defender that I thought did well was Jordan Whitehead. He had a good pass breakup in the end zone. He's also coming in the run fits and, and playing very well. And that's exactly what I think he's going to do in this in this defense is allow for the defensive line to be more uphill, just attack style. And he's going to clean up with the linebackers on the second level and make sure that, that the Jets defense eliminates those explosives that Robert Sala keeps talking about. Runs over 12 yards, passes over 16 yards. I think Jordan Whitehead was brought in for that reason, and it showed a little bit on Friday. I'm excited to see more, especially once he's playing against LaMarcus Joyner and not Will Parks, who stepped in as the as the starter on Friday. So once we have the full defense in, I'm sure Jordan Whitehead is going to start really shining. Jamie and Sherwood, second-year linebacker, he played a lot with the second and third teams, but he had some good third and fourth and short stops. Um, I know he even had the fumble recovery at the very last play of the game to seal it. So coming along nicely, um, Delshawn Phillips and Hamza Nazaruddin got the start over him. So I'm interested to see how the linebacker group shakes out, especially with the addition of Quan Alexander. I think it makes it harder for Sherwood to see the field, but if he just keeps making the most of his opportunities... He, he should be fine. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then finally, I think, like I said, the, the backup defense, they held the Eagles to zero first downs until the final drive. So you love to see it. Excuse me. <clears throat> and then, the obviously, the final drive. Defense is trying to stop them. They couldn't ultimately. The Eagles go up. I believe it was 21-17 to 17 at that point. But other than that, the second half, the Eagles were not able to move the ball. Whether it was Gardner Minshew or Reed Sinnott, they just, they just couldn't do it. And I'm not saying that the Jets' backups deserve all this praise for their performance against other backups. But it's good to see the resilience and the, the fight of these backup units to not let the team just get blown out to come out 14, nothing with the ones everybody could have folded, especially after the Zach injury, everybody could have said, Hey, you know what? It's not our night. Let's pack it up and go plan for Atlanta. No, they, they said, we need to fight for our jobs. We're going to, we're going to stay out here. We're going to fight. We're going to get five sacks in the second half. I believe they had. So, the, the resilience alone was enough for me to say I'm excited to see where this goes. It wasn't, it wasn't great by any stretch, but I'm, I'm super excited to see what this team has. I think they're deep at a lot of positions, so I think the preseason's only going to showcase more of that, and who knows? I think there will be some sleepers that make the team that we aren't even talking about still. So that's going to do it for us here on Jet Nation Radio. Just wanted to come in and recap the game. We're going to try to get a game preview in for the Falcons this week. We'll also be doing our annual Jet 
Jet Nation top 20, possibly top 25, depending on how we feel. So that'll be coming out soon on the website. In the meantime, everybody, on Twitter, follow Glenn at AceFan23. I'm at DTerriman. Uh, we have Alex at NYJetsLife24. And we have Green Bean, who does a ton of great work on YouTube at, at BeanTheJetsFan. So tons of content ready to be put out for you guys. We're excited. I know the Zach Wilson injury gave everybody a scare, but we're back on track. Shouldn't miss that much time, and I think the wheels will get rolling soon here. And uh, we're, we're excited for the preseason and the regular season. So we'll talk to you again very soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.